the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Where's the Gipper when you need him? Uh, the circus that is the 2024 election was all over cable news last night. Uh, Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley debated on CNN, and then Donald Trump uh, at the same time was doing a town hall on Fox. And, of course, no new ground was broken. Uh, not sure where Joe Biden was. Uh, he's probably not sure either. But it's hard to believe that we're going to be hearing uh, any much anything that's really uh, groundbreaking in the next 10 months. But here we are. It's probably just going to be about which candidate or which party makes the biggest mistake. And, of course, whether the Stalinist Democrats uh, managed to get Donald Trump thrown into prison, that's a factor. I noticed that it was 35 years ago today when Ronald Reagan gave his farewell address. I'd like to run the whole thing, but it's too long. But I really would like to run the whole thing. Anyway, part of the message uh, has been lost on so many people, including people in government who can't help being busybodies. And boy, are there are a lot of those people. And who forget that our government is supposed to leave us alone. Ours was the first revolution in the history of mankind. <clears throat> that truly reversed the course of government and with three little words we the people we the people tell the government what to do it doesn't tell us we the people are the driver the government is the car and we decide where it should go and by what route and how fast almost all the world's constitutions are documents in which governments tell the people what their privileges are our Constitution is a document in which we, the people, tell the government what it is allowed to do. We, the people, are free. Yeah, what a concept, huh? That applies especially to people who think the discussion about guns is about what guns the government allows us to own. People can't accept what Reagan said, that we tell the government what it's allowed to do, not the other way around. A lot has happened since Reagan said goodbye. Most of it has not been good. When we come back, uh, quite a few bits of sports. Uh, Bill Belichick is out in New England. This is one of those uh, stories that is about so much more than sports. We're going to talk to a Pittsburgh guy who's now working in sports talk up there to find out just what a big deal it is in Boston and how it's being handled by the media. And also the NCAA is holding a convention, and some women from the Independent Women's Forum showed up to save women's sports from being ruined by men. Stick around. Bill Belichick is out in Boston. That's a pretty big deal. Now, we don't spend a lot of time uh, talking about the X's and O's of sports around here, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about what this means for the Patriots and who will replace them and blah, blah, blah. I'm uh, more interested in it as a story. Uh, for example, you know, just put yourself in Boston today. Imagine what a big deal it is up there. Ken Laird is a Pittsburgh guy. He and I co-hosted a talk show a while back. I think they used to call us the Three Stooges, and we were two of them. And uh, he's he's been working for WEEI, the major sports talk 
stationed in Boston for several years. He joins us now. Hi, Ken. How you doing? Hi, Stag. Been too long. How you been, buddy? Good, good, good. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. I, I uh, Lots of important things are happening in the world right now, but I'm just wondering where and how is this one playing in the Boston media as we speak? Yeah, today has been an interesting day. Uh, I think going into um, the decision, there was an anticipation that you know most of the fan base would be ready to move on. They've not been very good here for the last four years, as, as you know. Um, so, but then when the decision does come down, I think a lot of nostalgia creeps in, and for uh, a lot of the callers on our airways today, it's been you know some emotion, maybe unexpected emotion, and it's sort of the definitive end of the, of the era, end of the double dynasty up here. So for people to come to grips with it. I think it's a mixed feelings. They've, they've not been good. A lot of people blame Belichick for the Brady departure. So there's some confliction on that, but in the end, the guy brought six championships up here and football means a lot to this region as it does to Pittsburgh. Yeah. It's, it's a, but it is the big story. And this is, this is a stop the press's story. When it, as you said, there was some talk that this was going to happen, but once it does, it it's, it's a biggie. It is. It is. Uh, even our morning show was talking about that, trying to put it into the context of how big of a story this has been in recent New England history, and uh, it's up there. I mean, obviously Brady leaving was one, and Brady winning a Super Bowl in Tampa was another, just in the sports world. But, yeah, it's it's an O.J. Simpson-type moment where everybody stops what they're doing 7 a.m. this morning, and uh, we had huge numbers listening here, and uh, you know everybody's talking about it. How, how was the story broken? How did the Patriots do it? Well, they didn't break it first. Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter had sort of dueling reports come out. Um, uh, perhaps they leaked that story to those uh, yeah. outlets. Um, you know, it's, it, Robert Kraft hasn't spoken much. The owner of the Patriots here in the last six months, he kind of let the season play out. But there have been enough back-channel reports coming from him. You know, you, at least where he's getting his word out, you can kind of tell he's making his message uh, felt that there was going to be some impending change if they don't win, and that's exactly what happened. And um, if they, if the Patriots had gone 8-9 and nine or 9-8, nine and eight, would that have changed anything? Well, Robert Kraft, before the season, demanded playoffs. That seemed to be his, you know, his make or break yeah. uh, um, of reaching. So I don't know. I don't think mediocrity would have done it. I think, I think they had come to uh, – some disagreements on multiple levels. Belichick seems to be losing his fastball a little bit in terms of personnel. Um, if he ever had a great fastball there, uh, can still coach, and I think there's an expectation he will somewhere else, but it was not going to be here anymore. So the, the, the expectation is that he's going to keep coaching. He's going to be a head coach? It certainly seems that way. I think he wants to catch Don Shula, who once called him Belichick. <laughs> he's not come out and said that's what's driving him, yeah. but I do think it's, it's part of it. Yeah, and how old is he? He's 71, I believe. He's a young guy. He's got a lot of time left. Um, so, he does. Okay. And, he, and, his, and as he says, he enjoys coaching with his kids. He's got his two sons mm-hmm. on the staff. And uh, he once did say uh, famously he would never coach into his 70s like Marv Levy, but he admitted he made a mistake, didn't know what 70 would feel like when he got there. Now, anybody who has seen uh, Belichick doing a press conference um, – knows that he doesn't have what you would call a winning personality. At least he doesn't present one in those in those um, instances. Uh, and the image he's portrayed through the media is a major grouch. Um, do people act- Are there people who actually like him? Does he? Ha- I, I mean, outside of his family and his friends, uh, there are, is he a, a popular guy in Boston and New England? 
Well, of course, you know, because he has won for 20 years, yes. Yeah. Um, and he comes, he's been on with us every Monday for the last uh, 20 years on so this radio station here. And oh, he has. I came up to the area. Um, and he can be a little more uh, playful at times with, with certain different settings. But, yeah, I think that I think the act was running thin for a lot of people when the wind stopped coming. And I think he probably knew that. He made a comment about that today, that uh, the media and I always don't always see that eye. He kind of looks at them uh, and thinks they're out to get them, and maybe they are. But uh, he didn't do himself any favors there for, uh, for some people, that's for sure. But I think, you know, in the end, he was paid to win football games, and he did a lot of that. Yeah, you have to... Um... You have to win if you're going to have the attitude that Bill Belichick had. I, I don't know it, what, which came first, the chicken or the egg on that, in that situation. I, I actually went to a press conference of his, um, like on a Tuesday before a Steeler game when he was playing, uh, when he was coaching the Browns. And it was just, you know, about 10 or 15 guys in a room and he was sitting at a table and it was excruciating. How how bad and, and just how miserable he was, but he so so he was he was actually doing that when he was not doing well as a coach. So it's not like he seemed to pick that up after he you know he, he became arrogant because he started winning. Right, he's a weird guy. I think he grew up in his father's shadow, sort of a, you know in the Navy culture where his dad was a long time assistant, and he he was a football guy, and he's he's not he's socially awkward. I mean that is. That is pretty obvious to see for anybody. So he's a unique guy in that sense. And I think, uh, you know, his, his handling of the press, I mean, sometimes he can be polite, sometimes he can be funny, but for the most part, he's just socially awkward and he's just a football guy. That's what he does. Yeah, he was, you could, you could come into him in the press conference and say, uh, Bill, um, a nuclear bomb just exploded outside, uh, of, uh, of Boston. There's some question about whether, um, you know, some of your players might have been involved in the in the disaster. What, what do you have any comment on it? He'd say, we're just going to get ready for the Broncos. <laughs> that would be, no right. matter what happened, that would be his answer. And by the way, he was like that to a lot of his players. I mean, it's kind of interesting to see the mixed reaction to him. Some have, uh, you know, taken a victory laps these last couple of years to say it was all Brady. But others, you know, swear by him. And even though he was ruthless and cut star players, you know, as he would say a year too soon before a year too late, the uh, he he still was beloved by a lot of these guys and respected. So I, I think he's a good football coach. Whether he's the greatest of all time, I don't know. But um, yeah, he he was peculiar. He'll be remembered for being an odd guy. If he ran you over in his car, would he know who you are? <laughs> no, he would not. No. Well, I mean, you you've had him on the show on you say on Monday mornings there. Uh, have you yeah. have you ever done the show with him? I never I got the chance. Actually, we uh, we had Brady on for many years. Uh, before yeah. that, and yeah. uh, I did talk to Brady a bit, but not not the Bill. So, did the the local media up there? This is why I like to look at this a little bit beyond sports, just like the way the media cover it. Um, did the local media? Would you say? And and you're a good person to ask this because you um, you grew up around here and you saw how the Pittsburgh media covers the Steelers, um, and you worked in the media here. Did the local media? up there allow themselves to be manipulated by him? I think they've allowed themselves to be manipulated by the culture and the winning to some extent, yes, because it has fed media organizations and interest in them for many, many decades. You know, it just it's hard not to get swept up, I think, in, hey, if this team does well, I do well personally in my media career. 
So he had some defenders. I think he had some guys who would who would uh, look the other way at a lot of crass behavior in terms of his politeness or lack thereof. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he took a lot of criticism the last couple of years too. There's no doubt about that. When when called for, I think he's been criticized plenty. And he also strikes me as a guy who couldn't care less about the criticism. Um, I th- I think that's true. Although he made a few comments about uh, the last couple of years about it. He was asked, uh, you know, about fans who have been with him through thick and thin, and he said, you know, it's not been all that thin around here. And he was asked why um, people should believe they're headed in the right direction, and he said the last 25 years. Uh, so he's a proud guy. He's got an ego, but I think, yeah, for the most part, he's not checking in on social media every day. Had many people in the media um, actually been calling for him to be fired, saying it's time yes. he's got to go, loudly. Yes, yes. Yes, and who? who because would... I think um, because I think there were a lot of Brady fans too. You know, you had you had to split along factions that uh, believed he should, that Brady never should have been allowed to go to Tampa, and they blame Bill for that. And um, who, who? What type of media person would that be? A columnist, TV, radio guys? Sure, columnists, talking heads on the on the, on the talk shows, and um, it was you know I I think he lately. Firing Bill and moving on has been the popular opinion, to be honest. Yeah, and and how much credit will he get for the Super Bowls, and how much will Brady get in the end? I do believe the narrative has changed based on the last four years and Brady's success without him, and I think it'll be more Brady than Bill. But I do think Bill, you know, first of all, he played the guy over Bledsoe. As Steelers fans know, even though Drew Bledsoe beat the Steelers in a nasty title game. Yeah. He went back to Brady the week of the Super Bowl, and they beat the greatest show on turf, and he stuck with them, and he made some tough decisions. Uh, I think he's a good football coach, and he deserves some credit, but obviously Brady was good too. We're talking to uh, Ken Laird. He's a former Pittsburgh guy, or are you still a Pittsburgh guy? You still consider your, I know you're sure. a Western PA guy. Um, Never lose that. And he's been working for WEEI up in Boston for how many years now? Uh, boy, eight years. Wow. Time flies when you're having fun. Um, yeah. So has Spygate been dismissed up there? Does anybody in New England believe he oh, was yeah. a cheater? <laughs> well, they believe he cheated, but they believe it was uh, a misdemeanor, as they do for Deflategate. So, um, you know, it's hard to uh, say that things didn't happen. Yeah. Although maybe for Deflategate it is more of a, it never happened. But, uh it, uh, you know, they, they believe it was stuff everybody was doing, and the Patriots just uh, got caught. Okay, so, and has he ever admitted to doing anything wrong? Well, I think for Spygate he did, right? I mean, even Robert Kraft well, uh, chastised fined, yeah. him publicly yeah. for that. He got fined for it. Um, he, he absolved himself from the flake gate and said he got asked Brady, so that may have started their divide, uh, in part, uh, for not standing by him, but... Um, well, you here's know, here's uh, a thing. Here's a thing for you. It's a little bit off subject here, but since we are talking sports, kind of. Um, yeah. The Steelers just played a game. Uh, I don't know if you saw the game in Baltimore. It was pouring down rain the entire game. Uh, mm-hmm. They have a game coming up in Buffalo on Saturday. They're saying that's going to be 25 mile an hour winds, with gusts up to 50. And here's what I, I said this at the time of the Flate Gate. And for people who don't know, that was when. Tom Brady and the Patriots were accused of deflating the footballs for a game that was played in bad weather in order to give the quarterback a, a better grip on the ball. Uh, I said after the the Buffalo uh, during the uh, game in Baltimore and after I said uh, that 
this is a time when this team should be allowed to deflate the ball because it makes for a better game for the fans to watch. You, you take a little bit of air out of the ball so you can squeeze it a little bit, and in a game coming up here in, in uh, Buffalo, each team should be able to have the, play with the balls that they bring with them and uh, deflate them to the level they want. Who cares? What do you think of that? <laughs> sure. I, I mean, should everybody allowed, be allowed to use steroids, too? And uh... Well, no, no, no. I, I uh, Well, I, they do anyway, but um, I, I'm just saying it's – if, if both teams are given the ability to do it and it's going to actually improve the quality of the game that people are going to see, throwing a football uh, on a day like they had in Baltimore last week, it's like, it's like trying to throw a bar of soap. You, you can't – it's just – it's ridiculous. So and, yeah, and now you have, a, you have a game that's going to be played in prime time, a hugely important game, and, and they're going to play where nobody can throw it. Yeah, I, I think uh, you make some points. Maybe you, maybe you ought to adjust the conditions based on the weather. Uh, yeah. But um, uh, uh, the NFL's not struggling with TV ratings, so I think they'll do pretty well no matter yeah, what the conditions are. Yeah, yeah, they will. The yeah. But it's about me, Ken. It's, uh, it's about how entertained <laughs> I am. You know that. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, the Steelers have more of a chance, I would say, in these conditions, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, they can, they're going to run the ball. So that's, that's probably the only chance they have is to try to run the ball and, and hope that they can just get a lucky break here and there. I got a couple minutes left here. I want to finish up on on uh, Belichick. Um, where what what will the expectations be now for the next guy? Yeah, well, there's a lot of Mike Vrabel talk, who also had his time in Pittsburgh. Um, so I think you know Robert Kraft said today he's expecting the postseason. So they have the second, uh, sorry, third pick in the draft, and they got a lot of money to spend. And Kraft's not getting any younger, so I think they're going to make a run at it here and uh, try to rebuild the team in short order. But as you know from covering those Steelers teams in the 70s and 80s, when, yeah. when Bradshaw and Noel left, it wasn't an easy thing to do. No, but they Bill Cowher came right in and went right to the playoffs. Um, you see, do you see somebody being able to do that up there? Well, they need a quarterback. I think they need a lot. They need a lot on offense, so it's a complete overhaul. I, I don't think realistically in a year I see it happening. I think it's going to be a two- or three-year project, but... Um, Depends, too, on the Bills and the Dolphins and the Jets, uh, who are better with Aaron Rodgers. So uh, the vision will be interesting. Where where do the New England Patriots rank in the Big Four in Boston? Baseball, football, oh, basketball, hockey. Oh, yeah. They're number one, number even more one than the Red Sox. Time. Yeah, the Red Sox actually have become, um, well, because their owner, John Henry, just purchased the Penguins, he's taken a lot of heat for having a portfolio that's more important than the actual baseball team. And, They've uh, they've been more of a middle tier uh, spending organization lately, so it's not what it was in 2004. I can tell you that. Well, this will be something. I'm, I don't know if you're aware of this, but the the ownership, which you just mentioned, which is from Boston, they don't get along with Mario Lemieux. I don't think that's a really good well, idea for a hockey team owner <laughs> here in Pittsburgh. What do you think? No, that is a strange. Uh, <laughs> Did you know that? It's just strange. Yeah. Well, and it's. it's are here. I mean, he's not well liked here, despite winning four championships. John Henry's another awkward guy. I mean, he's he's very uh, socially awkward as Belichick is. So you don't see him much, and when he's when he does speak, it's it's cringeworthy at times. <laughs> well, hey Ken, I appreciate you giving us a little perspective on the big story today up in Boston. Thanks for coming on. Anytime, Stag. Be good. Okay, that's Ken Laird. He's uh, working up in sports there at WEEI in Boston. We'll be right back. Well, the ladies from the um, 
Independent Women's Forum showed up in Phoenix today. And uh, we've had these people on our show today. As a matter of fact, I will have one of them on the show here tomorrow to talk about what they're doing out there. Um, the sports media and the in, in, uh, national sports media probably won't touch this, but um, if they do, it'll be portrayed as anti-trans and not pro-women. But anyway, uh, it's the We Won't Back Down rally, uh, and it's at the NCAA convention, and they're demanding equal athletic opportunity for women. Uh, so they they showed up today, and the rally's theme was We Won't Back Down, and um, in according to this from the uh, – I don't know where this is from, but it's it's the it just says that the theme is that we won't back down, and it, the whole idea is that uh, it reflects the deter- the determination of female athletes and coaches to get the NCAA to revoke its controversial and unscientific transgender student athlete participation policy. That would be a scary thing to read if you had to read it word for word. Uh, but the policy allows males who identify as as women, in other words, males. Uh, to participate in women's sports if they suppress their natural testosterone for at least one year and achieve levels set by the governing bodies of their particular sport. And uh, according to this, a comprehensive review of the scientific literature uh, reveals that hormone injections do not, according to uh, the ladies from uh, the Independent Women's, Women's Forum, that the hormone injections do not eliminate the male athletic advantage over females. The report also concludes that even without any male athletic advantage, the participation of males in women's sports takes away opportunities for women to compete. Now, we've talked about this a lot here, and it's such an obvious, obvious thing, Um, and it's just stunning that people um, are pushing back on it, that they – that. They, with a straight face, they want to tell you that it's okay. The most recent thing is that uh, boxing is going to allow men to box against women as long as they've been women for longer than a year. So, in other words, you can smash a woman's face and crush her skull if you've uh, been taking some hormones for the last year. Uh, It won't hurt as much when you smash her nose into her face. Um, so that's what they're, but that's, that's outside the NCAA. Uh, Riley Gaines, Paula Scanlon, uh, there were two swimmers. They were there today. And also, uh, Kim Hunter, um, who, Kim Russell, I'm sorry. Kim Russell, she's a former women's lacrosse coach at Oberlin College. And she lost her job because she suggested that it was kind of crazy to have, Men playing against women in lacrosse. Have you ever seen lacrosse? Uh, they Anyway, she will be a guest on the show here tomorrow to talk about it. But uh, there are lots of people involved in this uh, and going across multiple sports, but a lot of them, for some reason, seem to be swimmers. But there's also a, uh, a former head volleyball coach at UC Davis. They're all showing up at um, in Phoenix, and they're demanding of the NCAA that they at least be heard. And it'll be interesting to see what happens. They they had a um, they had a letter that they were going to hand deliver to the president Charlie Baker, uh, and it was going to be. And the letter will contain uh, their demands, but um, I so I looked around and 
I want to see how this is being. First of all, I wanted to see if it was being covered at all by ESPN. And I, I'm not watching ESPN, obviously, but I can go on their website. And I looked on their website, and I just wanted to see if there was any discussion at all of what's happening there with the NCAA in Phoenix and what these women are doing. And I, the only thing I saw was a link to an Associated Press story which said anti-trans group petitions NCAA. So see how easy it is to flip that. It's not pro-women. It's anti-trans. You are anti-Leah Thomas, actually Will Thomas, and not pro-Riley Gaines. You're anti-Leah Thomas. The, the, the idea that liberals who have laid claim to being um, so much behind the cause of equality for women the fact that liberals are the ones who are pushing back the hardest against the women who want to kick these idiotic, sick, mentally ill men out of their locker rooms and get them out of their sporting events. It's so amazing that it's the liberals who are preventing, um, well, for all, they're actually allowing it to happen. They're preventing women from being able to compete without having men uh, take jobs from them take championships from them, or have the have them uh, walking around in their locker rooms naked. So that when I saw that Associated Press headline, that tells the whole story. Here's this group of women, and a pretty impressive group. I'm looking at the list here. I won't bore you with the entire list, but it's a long list of uh, accomplished female athletes who uh, made a point to show up in Phoenix to be heard and the Associated Press, I don't know, there was not a name on the byline. The Associated Press refers to it as an anti-trans group. So uh, this is this is what they're this is what they're fighting against, and the, the stupidity is just mind-boggling that this is allowed to exist. And I I don't think it's gonna. I just don't get the feeling that it's going to change anytime soon. I mean, this is a this is it's good that this is going on and that there is a um an organized effort against it but it's not going away men are going to keep showing up to compete against women and as i've said many times here uh in order to put a stop to it the women just have to refuse to compete that's all that that would get the NCAA's attention if they had a nice big swim meet planned and all the women I don't care if it was only one man competing against the entire field of NCAA swimmers. One man shows up to swim, and every single woman walks off. There's no meat. The NCAA would have to do something, and they would, by the way, immediately. Something would happen, but there was a story of a school, I forget where it was, high school basketball team, um, just recently, in the last week or so. They were supposed to play a game. And the opposing team showed up with a boy on it. They all left. They quit. They forfeited. And I don't know. I haven't seen what the outcome of that is. But that's the that's the simple solution. Oh, you got a guy. This is we were told this is girls basketball. We're out of here. It's not that complicated. So uh, I'll have Kim uh, Hunter on here tomorrow. Kim Russell. I'm sorry. 
Uh, Kim Russell on here tomorrow to talk about what they were able to accomplish down there today. Uh, meanwhile, there's, there's another uh, a story that is related to this coming out of Ohio. Um, the Ohio House overrode a veto from uh, the supposedly Republican governor over there, DeWine, uh, yesterday. 65 reps voted to end transgender child mutilation and <clears throat> ban men from invading women's sports in the state. Uh, this uh, Most Ohioans and most Americans say kids with gender dysphoria should not be chemically castrated or surgically mutilated, and cross-dressing men should not be able to invade women's sports teams. That's uh, Ohio Republicans' Save Adolescents from Experimentation Act. That's what it said, and it would have outlawed both, but the DeWine recently vetoed that bill, and he justified the decision uh, by saying that uh, gender-confused kids will commit suicide without transgender mutilations, especially uh, opposite-sex hormones. So he tr- DeWine tried to prevent a veto override by signing an executive order that only prohibits mutilating children's genitals and unless adopted by the Joint Committee on Agency Rule Review, only lasts for 120 days. So the governor was trying to scramble to save face, and uh, the state representatives in Ohio got smart, and they just told him, uh, well, they they didn't tell him, they overrode the veto with their votes, which is even more important. So uh, that's a a step, and it's kind of happening sporadically around the country where there's people finally pushing back on it, but the liberals keep pushing to ruin women's sports, and I don't I, I, I've said it here also. When I see this, I just I don't know how a man can vote for a Democrat. I, I just with with all the things that I see, it was most of it having to do with this insanity, transgender insanity. So uh, we'll have more on this tomorrow. I, I, I want to talk to Kim Russell about this and what they found out, and I want to see tonight what the results of uh, the hand uh, delivered letter were to the president of the NCAA. We'll see if it goes anywhere. I'll be right back. Well, this just in. In response to customer feedback, the FBI has pledged to make hoaxes or red flag operations less obvious in 2022. Quote, I'm sorry, 2024. Uh, We stand committed to pushing the narrative of the Biden administration without also bringing blowback upon ourselves, said FBI Assistant Director Jill Sanborn. Democratic leadership has voiced support for FBI's goals, hoping that it enables them to pass oppressive surveillance state laws. Meanwhile, Republicans have pounced upon the FBI statement because they are racist, insurrectionists, well, who just love the pounce. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell rebuked the federal agency. Quote, what we have here is a supposedly neutral government agency going on the record to admit that they're working on behalf of a progressive agenda. If only there was some sort of government body that could write laws to put a stop to this egregious abuse of power. According to sources within the FBI, Assistant Director Sanborn felt like she was being attacked just for trying to do Democrats a favor. Besides, she said, quote, I won't admit which hoaxes are ours. Boom. 
plausible deniability. That's how they teach you in Quantico. This is coming from, of course, the Babylon Bee. And uh, they they are the best. They are the best. But um, that's just, I thought that was a good one to start you off with. And then there's this. <clears throat> okay, let me, uh, I'm, it's just the, Johns Hopkins, okay? I, I just, uh, I don't know, throughout most, most of my life when I heard Johns Hopkins University, that was always pretty impressive. You know, a lot of doctors came out of there and a lot of really smart people went there. And I figure a lot of really smart people teach there. So here's what comes out today. Uh, I think it was today. Johns Hopkins. This is according to their chief diversity officer. Is that scare you? Her name is Sharita Hill Gordon. And she is going to tell you who is privileged and who is not. And this is what, not just she's going to tell you, this is official in an email uh, she sent out. She said, uh, a perfect example of um, of." of privilege and she said this is this is uh, she wanted to show the generally accepted definition of the word privilege here are this is what this is what she wrote privilege is a set of unearned benefits given to people who are in a specific group remember this is someone in position of authority at johns hopkins privilege is a set of unearned benefits given to people who are in a specific group privilege operates on a personal interpersonal cultural and institutional levels and it provides advantages and favors to members of dominant groups at the expense of members of other groups in the united states privilege is granted to people who have membership in one or more of these social identity groups so are you ready for who according to chief diversity officer sharita hill gordon you ready for who's privileged White people. You know that you knew that was coming. White people. That's all. Just white people. All white people. That means if you were born in Appalachia or whether you were born in no matter where you were born. White people. Able bodied people are privileged. So if you don't have some kind of a handicap, mental or physical, you should consider yourself privileged. And I guess apologize for it. I don't know. Heterosexuals are privileged. So, of course, if you are not gay or transgender, you're privileged. And you you should be, I don't know about, a, maybe, I don't know if she thinks you should apologize for it, but you should je- definitely admit it. And I think she'd probably be happy if you did apologize for it. And then there are cisgender people, which I refuse to even acknowledge the existence of that, but that's, you know, like, Regular people as a cisgender person is like a, you know, a man or a woman. But if you are cisgender, in other words, if you're if you're a man and you're just a man and you think you're just a man, and not only that, you know you're just a man. Or if you're a woman and you know you're a woman, you're privileged because you're cisgender. Males, M-A-L-E-S, males, privileged. That's it. One word. Males, you're privileged. You should be ashamed of yourself. And then there are Christians. Of course, you knew that was coming. Now, I don't know why why Christians and not 
other religions, but Christians, you're privileged. So do something about that, if it happens to be the case. Now, here's another one. Middle or owning class people. I'm just reading you the way it's written here, and this comes from her. Middle or owning class people. I guess owning class people. If you own your house, you own your car, are you an owning class person? You own things? That makes you privileged. Here's another thing. This is another group that's privileged. Middle-aged people. Did you get that? Once you reach a certain age, since you haven't died, I guess, I don't know what qualifies as middle-aged. What would middle-aged be, 40? Would would that, you know, 40, 45? You reach that, you're, you're privileged. Just by the mere fact that you've been on the planet 40 years, you're a privileged person. Nobody's killed you yet. You haven't starved to death. You're you're privileged because you are middle-aged. And here's the last one on the list, English-speaking people. Did you get that? English-speaking people are privileged. Not that you had anything to do with the fact that you were born to English-speaking people and probably grew up, you know, speaking English. Um, but this is this is what her email, that was from an email this was sent out by Chief Diversity Officer Sharita Hill-Golden. And she, at the end of the email, she says, privilege is characteristically invisible to people who have it. You know what used to also be visible? Stupidity. It's very visible these days. You're not allowed to acknowledge it or mention it, but it's out there. And it's you know where it's coming from mostly? People from institutions of higher learning, like Johns Hopkins University. So if you're privileged, and I told you, I gave you the list. Are you a heterosexual? Do you speak English? Are you a male? Are you white? If you qualify under any of those categories, you are privileged, and you need to get over it. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.